Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. Well, Happy New Year, Fern Creek. That is great to see you. Hey, today we begin a brand new 12-week series called The Miners. Uh, And for the next 12 weeks, I'm I'm, going to navigate us through a section of Scripture that causes fear to enter the hearts of all who sail there. Um, let, let, let me explain. The Old Te- we're going to be in the Old Testament for 12 weeks. The Old Testament is divided into five sections. 39 books, five sections. Look, look at the screen here, here with me. The first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, comprise the first section, which is called the law. The second section of books we call the historical books, going from Joshua through Esther, And then you have the poetic books, the books of poetry. You got the major prophets. And in this very last section are the 12 minor prophets. And that's that's where we're going to whitewater raft. I'm I'm, going to take you through the minor prophets. We're going to take one of those books and and do it every week, right? So so we'll do all 12 in 12 weeks, so one prophet a week. And when I first had this idea of taking you through the minor prophets in 12 weeks, 12 prophets, 12 weeks. And I shared that with a couple of preacher buddy friends of mine. They both said the same thing. They went, oh, you're poor people. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm, I, I get it. Part, partly I get it, right? Because I guarantee you, if you've got a print edition of the Bible and you go to the minor prophets, that section, I guarantee you in some of your Bibles, those pages are stuck together. Because there's not been a lot of reading in there. There's not a lot of yellow highlighter in there. But listen, this is the word of God. These 12 books are going to change your life. I mean, there is incredible lessons. There's modern day applications. Some of the most beautiful verses of the Bible are found in these 12 minor prophets. Some of the clearest prophecies of Jesus are unpacked within the 12 minor prophets. So listen, you know, this isn't a place where we're going to teach you the top 10 tips on how to live a healthy life. No, this is a church. We're going to get you into the Bible, and we're going to cover these 12 prophets. So I promise you, fear not. I'm going to lead you through this, guide you through this, and I promise you, if you stick with it, man, you're not only going to understand how these 12 books fit into the story of the Bible, And you're going to thank God that these 12 books have a part to play in your story as well. So let me set up the Minor Prophets. Let me make sure we're all on the same page as we launch the series today. When you talk about the nation of Israel, that's that's the people of the children of God. At one point in their history, they were a united people. They were one nation. So when you read about the reigns of the first king of Israel, you know, King Saul, and then King David, and then King Solomon, the nation was united. But after the death of the third king, King King Solomon, 
the nation's going to fragment. It's going to split into two different nations. So, so you've got 10 of the 12 tribes will be in the north. We're gonna, they're going to keep the name Israel. And then you've got two tribes that are going to split off, and they're going to be the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. So, so the people of God have become like, they become like two brothers that hate one another. And these two nations, the people of God, will fight one another. They, they will have their own capital cities. They will have their own kings. They will establish their own holy places. Each one of them will struggle to follow God. Let's talk about the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. The southern kingdom is, is really what we would call the, the house of David, you know, King David. This is Jerusalem is going to be the capital of Judah, the, the temple of Solomon, the temple that Jesus will, will walk through, right? That, that is in the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. Uh, 23 kings will rule uh, over Judah, and, and, and about, about 43% of them will love, honor, serve, and worship God. I mean, isn't that sad? The people of God, you got the temple, you got Jerusalem, only 43% of the kings will love, honor, and serve God. Yeah, that's sad. But it gets worse in the north. The, the, ten, kingdom, the 10 tribes in the north, of the 19 kings that rule Israel, zero of them. Not a single one will love, honor, serve, or worship Yahweh. And that's incredibly sad. And each kingdom will ultimately be destroyed, and each each one of the citizens of the kingdom will be deported into exile. The Assyrians will destroy the northern kingdom. The Babylonians will burn Jerusalem. But the minor prophets are these men that are sent to the northern and the southern kingdoms to tell them, repent, turn around, get right with God. If, if you will repent, if you will turn to God, blessing will flow. But if you do not repent, if you do not turn back to him, doom is coming, and rightfully so. And that brings us to the first of the minor prophets, the prophet Hosea. So Hosea is called by God to go and preach to the northern kingdom where there are no godly kings. And uh, he's called to preach uh, to the northern kingdom at a time when Jeroboam II is, is the king of, of the north, and, and, and he hates God. He, he detests God. He, he leads his people into idolatry to turn their hearts away to God and turn them towards pagan gods. Um, idolatry was a serious problem, and that's why God sent Hosea. If you and I were, were, uh, were to travel through the, the northern kingdom, we would go by house to house at dinner time, and we might hear this little prayer. Marduk is great. Marduk is good. Let us thank him for our food. They would pray to the pagan god, you know, Marduk. These are God's people. If we would go into their homes, we would see little idols on their mantles of Chemosh or Baal, some of the Canaanite or Babylonian gods. And they would pray and worship and sing to these pagan gods. So the whole nation... The whole nation is committing spiritual adultery. And so God calls Hosea to go and preach against the northern kingdom. And, and the message of Hosea is, is simple. For, you know, leave your mistress. Come back to your first love. Come back to Yahweh. 
Now, being a prophet was a really hard job. It wasn't a popular job. As a matter of fact, sometimes God would ask some of his prophets to do some pretty crazy things. God will tell the prophet Ezekiel to lay on his left side for 390 days. When you sleep, don't sleep on your right, sleep on your left side. God will tell Isaiah to preach in his tidy whities for three years. Can you imagine? Go preach in your drawers for three years. He tells the prophet Jeremiah when he preaches to wear a yoke that you put on oxen, wear a yoke and preach with this yoke around your neck. He wouldn't ask all the prophets to do that, but, but several. He asked to do these crazy things. And why did he do that? It was a sermon illustration. It was a re- there was a reason behind not just what the prophet would say, but what the prophet would do. Now, of all the crazy things God asked his prophets to do, Hosea gets the craziest ask of God. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Hosea. He's a Jewish boy. He grows up to be a, a preacher. Uh, he, he's not a motivational speaker. Not a lot of funny jokes, not a lot of inspirational stories, a lot of gloom and doom. He's a hellfire and brimstone preacher. You ever had one of those? They spit on the front row and bang the thing and scare people. He probably wore a lot of black, right? So he's not very popular as he preaches this this turn or burn message. And, And God one day comes to this hellfire brimstone preacher and he says, Hey, I want you, I want you to get married. And Hosea says, well, God, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's not a lot of gals lining up to be the next Mrs. Armageddon. You know, and God says, no, 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 I've got the gal for you. And this is where we open Hosea. Hosea chapter one, verse two. Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. Give me the... The, 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 the ox mantle, let me preach in my tidy whities Go and marry a prostitute? Go and marry the town hooker that you want me to do what? I mean, that, who grows up thinking, you know, I can't wait to marry the town harlot. But God tells Hosea, I, I want you to go and marry this prostitute. And not only is that bad, it gets worse. Her name, her name is Gomer. Shows I am. She's from the next town over, a little place called Mayberry. Maybe no, 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 no. That's that's the wrong Gomer. But really, that that's her name. Her name is Gomer. And and as hard as it is, as it makes no sense. Like Hosea does it. He's like, okay, if that's what you want me to do, I'll, I'll do it. And he marries this prostitute named, named Gomer. And, and, and you got to know that when he does it, the town goes nuts. I mean, you know, the, the, the Facebook posts, the instant messenger, the, 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 tw- the tweets that go out. I mean, this is scandalous, this, this preacher marrying this seedy woman of the night. This is crazy. The ta- town's buzzing. But he does it. They get married. And, and, and I got to believe that at some point, you know, as he brings her into his home, he, he really begins to fall for her. Like he provides for her. He gives her a home. He, he restores her dignity. He opens his heart to her. And, 
And, and so they get married, and, 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 and in time, they, they end up having three children, two boys and a girl. And, and God, again, then shows up, and he says, hey, I, I call naming rights. I brought you two together, so I've got names specifically picked out for your children. Now, do you remember, do you, do you remember struggling to find names for your kids? Like, was that, I mean, you know, I, I, you know when we got pregnant and we were going to have our, our baby, I mean, that's a big deal. N- naming your kid is a big deal. And so you, do you remember the discussions? Maybe one of you said, hey, I like the name Eddie. And, and your spouse went, Eddie, we're not naming our kid. Eddie. No, I'm not naming my kid after Clark Griswold's crazy cousin. No, no Eddie. How about Greta? Greta, no, you dated a Greta. I'm not naming our, our kid Greta. So, so back and forth you went, right? Because a name means something. Well, God steps up to the plate with each one of their children. And he says, I, I've got the name. You're not going to be able to name them. I'm going to name them. And here's what God names all three kids. Jezreel, which means God scatters. The girl, Lo Ruama, no mercy. The girl's name's no mercy. And then Lo Ami. Not my people. That's what their names mean. Can you, imagine, can you imagine those kids in school? Over the PA system comes, you know, could God scatters, no mercy, and not my people report to the office. I mean, this, this, this is weird. Who would name their kids? But God does this for a reason. God names these kids, and he asks Hosea to do what he does because it's going to be a lesson. And the lesson is, Israel, if you don't change, you will not be my people. I will have no mercy, and I will scatter you. So come back. Return to me. Well, it gets worse. It gets worse. Gomer wakes up one day, and this is what we read, Hosea chapter 2, verse 5. She says, I'm going to run after other lovers. I'm going to sell myself to them for food and water for clothing of wool and linen, for olive oil and drinks. Out of the blue, after these three children are born, Gomer abandons the family. One day she just ups and she leaves. She walks out on the man who loves her. She walks out on her children. She abandons the family to go back to prostitution, to go back to selling her body for things that she doesn't have. Now, again, as I've processed this, as I've thought about what was that like for Hosea? You got to imagine he's crushed. Like, 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 can you imagine the next, like, like God, what, what are you doing? What have you done to me? Like, I did this thing that you wanted me to do, and look what, look what that's gotten me. And not just me, God, the children. Hey, she can hurt me, that's fine. But she's now hurt the children. What are you doing, God? And then God does it again. God comes to this preacher After all this happened, and listen to what God tells him next. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. (laughs) Go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover. (laughs) And again, I'm like, how in the world do you even deal with that? You want me to do what? After all I've done and what she's done, you're you're not asking me to do what? Even though she doesn't love me, even though she's not interested in me, even though I gave her what I gave her, you want me to go after her and bring her back and love her again? And God says, yeah. You know, sometimes God will ask you to do things that make no sense. 
And as Hosea deals with this and agonizes over this, at some point he relents. He says, fine, you're God, I'm not. You asked me to do this, I'll go. But the question is, where do you go to find her? How do you go find her? Well, you probably go to the places you went to the first time. You head downtown. You search the alleys. You wander the streets. You go into the sleazy hotels. You walk into the bars. Maybe you take the picture and you say, have you seen this woman? She's my wife. I love her. She's left me. But if you see her, tell her that I love her and that I want her back. I want her back. And then out of the blue, like, there's no detail to it. But in verse 2, we read this. So All of a sudden we read this. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. And, And you read that verse and you're like, wait, 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 wait. So he finds her. How did he find her? Where did he find her? Was it a street corner? Is she chained to a pillar? Is she bloody, beaten? Is is she, don't know. But but in my mind, I kind of picture it like this, like he sees her on the corner and he runs to her and and he wraps his arms around her and he says, I'm here to bring you back. I love you, come home. And as he starts to move away from the shadows, a big man steps forward and says, says to to Hosea, what do you think you're doing? And Hosea steps back and he says, well, this is my wife. Um, I've come to take her home. And the man kind of shoots a sly grin and he says, I don't care who she was. She's mine now. I own her. And if if you want her back, you're going to have to pay. And you can kind of see Hosea, pay? Pay for my wife? I'm not paying for my wife. She's mine. I'm not paying. And then all of a sudden, three or four other big men step up. And and, and Hosea realizes this isn't going to go well. And so he says, how much? 15 pieces of silver. It was the going price for a slave. So do you understand as Hosea lowers his head and puts his hand into his pocket, he now pays to bring her back. He pays to bring his wife back. Totally crazy. And and maybe you, like me, hear this story and you go, no way. Uh Uh-uh. Like, like, like he he walked out on me, she walked out on me, and God, you want me to go, and then I got to financially pay her out of slavery. I got to dig in my own pocket for something that she did. No way. There's no way I could do that. I'm not Hosea, and you're right. You're right. You're not Hosea. That's the mistake a lot of people make when they read this book. They put themselves in the place of Hosea. And they say, no, no, I, I, don't, I don't understand the book because I, I, I'm Hosea. I would never be able to do that. Again, you're not Hosea. Here's, here's how you understand the book. Let me go back and read verse 1 of chapter 3. That's the hinge of the book. Go back and read it. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, here it comes. Here's what God is doing. Here's why he's asked him to go marry her. Here's why he's named her children the way he's named her. Here's why he wants him to go back and get her. This will illustrate 
This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and what? Love to worship them. That's, that's the book of Hosea. God told Hosea to marry a prostitute. God named his kids the way he named them. God told them to go after her again for one reason. It was to illustrate the love he has for Israel. Now you got to understand, the Israelites are his people. He chose Israel out of all the nations of the earth. He chose them. And when he chose them, he adopted them. He brought them in. He washed them, purified them, gave them a new name, gave them a purpose, gave them access to all kinds of spiritual blessings. But they grew tired of him. They began to run after other lovers. They abandoned him. They committed spiritual adultery when they prayed to these other gods. They were unfaithful, yet in spite of their unfaithfulness, he still loves them. And he wants them to come back. So see, we're not Hosea. God is. You and I, we're Gomer. We're Gomer. You read the story, you put yourself in the position of Hosea, you won't get it. You read the story and you put yourself in the position of Gomer, it all makes sense. So, so help me with this. Turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and tell them, neighbor. Okay, come on. Neighbor. My name is Gomer. Shazam. <laughs> you're going to get it now. But see, now, now when you understand that you're Gomer, it begins to make a lot more sense when you read it personally. When you go, okay, how, how many times have I walked away from God? How many times have I chosen my passions over his will? How many times have I walked back to the world in which he delivered me from? And, and, and just as Gomer's sin caused a lot of pain to her and a lot of pain to her family, so sin does to us. Because, you know, sin's not a popular topic today. And in a lot of churches, they don't even say the word, but, but, but listen, God doesn't wink at sin. God doesn't just, oh, it doesn't really matter. Oh, no, 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 no. Sin breaks our relationship with him. He's a holy and righteous God. And when we sin, it causes all kinds of pain and, and confusion, and it separates us. But, but the crazy thing about it, he never stops loving us. In spite of it, he, he never stops loving us. And, and maybe you go, how does that even happen? Like, how do, well, if you have kids, you know. You know. Well, like, like your kids, right? Sometimes they can do the meanest, dumbest things, right? I mean, I mean they, can, they can forget your birthday. They can call you names. They can embarrass the family name. They can hurt you like nobody's business. And when they do that, and when they disobey, you know, it, it cuts and it hurts. And in their rebellion, there may be consequences for them and for you. And in their rebellion, you, you may have to discipline them. 
but you never stop loving them. Oh, no, you never stop loving your children. And, and, and how much more so, man, does God love you? Man, God, God loved you so much, he sent Jesus to find you. Just like Hosea went looking for Gomer, Jesus has been looking for you your entire life. And, and, and when he found you, if you're a believer, when Jesus found you, do you know what he found? He didn't find a beautiful, all put together, look at what I bring to the table kind of person. No. And when he found me, he found an insecure, broken, jaded, scarred human being. And when we were broken and sinful and naked and enslaved, he showed up. And when he showed up, there was only one question he asked. And you know what the question was? How much? How much? Father, how much will it cost me to bring them back to you? And it wasn't 15 pieces of silver. The father said, you want to know how much it'll cost? It's going to cost your life. It's the only way. The only way they can come back home is you've got to give your life. And as Jesus held our muddy, grimy hand, as his hand went through our mangled, muddy hair, as he looked into our blood-stained, pierced, you know, pierced into our, our blood-stained uh, he, he, eyes, he said, if that's the price, that's what I'll pay. And so he goes to the cross and he bleeds and he suffers and he dies because that was the price. And he used his blood to buy back what God had already owned. My friends, listen to me. I don't know how to articulate it, but you are loved by God with every fiber of his being. You may not have time for that love. You may ignore that love. You may even reject that love. But he continues to love you. And in spite of this unconditional love, when we surrender to it and we're, we're embraced by it and we're adopted as sons and daughters and we come into his house, instead of basking in that love, we, we tend to wander. There's a great hymn writer who, who penned it this way, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's our story. In spite of being loved by God, we're drawn back to the world in which we came. See, see maybe you're here this morning. It's a new year, and you say, I'm going to go back to church, and, and you hear some of these songs, and maybe, maybe you're sitting there, and you go, you know, there was a time, a long time ago, when I, I knew those songs. And when I sang them, I sang them with, with joy. You know, th th there was a day when I prayed, and I really meant every word, but I, I haven't prayed in a long time. There was a day when, when his love just filled my heart. But as you sit here today, that day seems so far away. The songs haven't been sung. The prayers haven't been prayed and maybe, maybe this morning you find yourself back in the house of God 
after running away from it for a long, long time. Maybe you've pursued other lovers. Maybe you've said things, thought things, done things, and in your mind you think there's no way God could take me back. It's been too long. I've gone too far. I've done too much damage. He could never take me back. Well, the same songwriter who penned prone to wander, prone to leave, he understood that. Listen to what he said. Jesus sought me when a stranger. Wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Listen to me. God's love is greater than your wandering. And he wants you back. He wants to break the chains of addiction. He wants to free you from your anger and fear. He wants to wipe the grime of the world off you. He wants to bring you back home. He wants to heal your wounded heart. So friend, God, God is here and he continues to pursue you as he has pursued you from the moment you came into this world, waiting for you to respond to that incredible love. God wants you back. The question is, will you let him? Let's pray. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.